0: Welcome to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, a great discussion with Jamie Thomas of Jets Radio. and Rod Detach of The Athletic. We break down training camp, all things Jets, and then we'll hear from Stanley Bryant, offensive lineman extraordinaire for the Blue Bombers, back for another season in 2021. That's all on the podcast. Tonight, we can tell you that the Heisman Trophy winner is Devontae Smith from the University of Alabama. The first time in three decades that a receiver has won the Heisman it's almost always a quarterback sometimes a defender not very often sometimes it's a running back but receiver gets it done so I'm sure he'll be like a top five draft pick and maybe the Miami Dolphins would be interested since they've got the Houston Texans top five pick I know one person who would be very interested in that is one of our guests <laughs> joining us now Jamie Thomas of Jets Radio uh, for those who don't know Jamie you're a big Dolphins fan right
1: yeah oh, yes yeah it's been a long time uh, that uh, I've actually been excited about this team. So they have to get to us some weapons. I do expect them to trade down, though, at the third overall pick. So I don't know if they're going to pick Devonta Smith that high up. But uh, that's just my opinion at this moment. I know a lot of things could change in May as we get closer to the NFL draft.
0: And also joining us, another man who's been watching a lot of Winnipeg Jets, and that's why we're having them on <laughs> Not To Talk uh, Football, this is Murat Atash of The Athletic. Murat. I don't think I've ever asked you, do you care about
2: football? <laughs> I'll cheer for the bombers when the time comes but no i'm not as plugged into the nfl or college circuit at all okay well you're plugged into the nhl circuit that's why
0: we're having you both on tonight you've been uh spending time watching the first couple of days of camp first murat how's it feel to be back watching nhlers do nhl things again
2: well, it's fantastic. i got to be honest, uh, Christian. I don't think I realized, and maybe Jamie can attest to this too, I don't, realize, I don't think I realized how much I missed it until I was back watching it. It was almost emotional on Monday morning to get back at camp, see everybody again, um, just to watch hockey at the highest level and kind of feel like there was a return to normalcy. Even though we're not quite there yet, it feels like a huge step back. And it's just so fun, and I feel so lucky to kind of get to do what we get to do.
0: Jamie, did it feel at all like the summer being at – the iceplex you know all the protocols that are in place to to make it all happen
1: uh i, I think summer was a little bit different because you know you're, you're you're looking to the you're wondering what's next you're wondering how they're going to do this how it's going to work out now it's just kind of more everyday life going to the rink to doing your your check and uh self-analysis of your your self COVID check and then watching practice far away than doing the zoom interviews um it was it was more the unknown in the summertime. Now it's like this is a part of everyday life, and now you're ready for the start of the season. And I'm glad that camp is short because, uh, to me, preseason games are useless in the whole scheme of things. I know it's good for analysis of, of prospects and guys that are trying to fit in the system, but this is a pretty, you know, the roster is pretty much set in my opinion uh, in a lot of places. So I think it's just best to get to the to the regular season and and see it past the uh, the preseason.
0: Murat, for, for prospects like, you know, Cole Perfetti, Vili Hainala, Henry Nekanen, who'd be coming in for training camp more so, not so much Nekanen, but the other two for sure, what happens for them, Dylan Sandberg, you know, these guys that are probably going to be more mainstays on the moose, what is the value of tr- this specific training camp for those players?
2: Well, because of the amendment to the Quarantine Act in Canada, Cole Perfetti and Billy Hainala, they're they're off, for a camp uh, they're going to take seven days from when they arrive in Winnipeg uh, they'll need to be COVID tested on days one three five and seven and only after that point can they join team functions so they're deep great runs Hainala hey, you know, had a tremendous tournament Cole Perfetti scored some important goals and is such a highly touted prospect you know they're not really going to be able to parlay that into an honest run at a just job and to also hear Paul Maurice. Speak. Um, he doesn't really want young players kind of uh, stagnating on that taxi squad that the Jets have available to them. So it does seem like even Dylan Sandberg, as highly touted as he is, and the, despite the fact that he's playing and it's impossible not to notice him at camp, he plays really uh, such a big, strong, powerful game and stands out among the uh, Group B prospects. Um, it may be that he finds himself in the AHL circuit as well. And that's great for the Moose. And I think a lot of playing time will be great for all of the players involved.
0: Jamie, what have been your main takeaways through two days of training camp?
2: Uh, The
1: incredible pace that they're playing at. And and, and, I mean, the fact that they're playing, you know, in the regular season, pretty much every other day, you got to get up to speed real fast here. And I know, you know, everybody's been dying to get the, you know, on the ice, everybody's in shape. So I think the pace that it's been, it's been very intense. I'm looking forward to skirmish tomorrow if everybody's healthy. You know, Paul Murray's touched on that today. They're, they're, they will skirmish tomorrow if everybody's okay. Uh, so now you get to kind of see how everything works. But the fact that, uh, the one another thing that kind of stands out is the Nikolai Ehlers on the left side with uh, Scheifele and Wheeler, and of course, Kyle Connor with uh, Paul Stastny and Patrick Lane. Like, it's, that's a very impressive top six. I thought Kyle Connor would end up in the top line. I know lots of time can change, but I'm also very happy with the way Nikolai Ehlers has played on the top line. So those, that's a very impressive top six. And then again, as I mentioned, the pace has been incredible to start. So to see these guys uh, put it together with the skirmish tomorrow, uh, all things considered, I think we have a we're uh, we're in for a, for a real treat on Wednesday.
0: Now, Marat, you and I have had numerous discussions over the last couple of years about Shifley and Wheeler being together and whether they should be broken up. But looking at this new line setup with Connor going to that second line and Ehlers going to the top line, what do you think of this setup? And what did the analytics say about the potential here?
2: Well... One of the things I absolutely love is that Ehlers, Shifley, and Wheeler have a track record together. So it's easy to forget now, but in 2018-2019, Winnipeg started off like a house on fire. They were one of the top teams in the league through the first two-thirds of the season before falling off and, of course, losing to St. Louis eventually in the Stanley Cup playoffs. But during that stretch, Nick Eulers played with Blake Wheeler and Mark Shifley, and they were a phenomenal line. They carried possession. They were well over 50% that way. But in terms of actual goals, they outscored the opposition 20-11 to in that time. And that's a better record than Kyle Conner or Patrick Laine showed that year um, with the big guns. And I think that there's... So much to love about the chaos and the freewheeling and the speed. I mean, Nick Ehlers is lightning quick jazz on skates. And I think that it's going to add a new dynamic to that line. And I like it quite a bit. Meanwhile, I mean, all of us are looking forward to seeing Paul Stastny as a real bona fide second yeah. line center, that finishing quality he gets to play with as well. I mean, uh, I think there's a lot to like, as long as Kyle Connor and Patrick Line can find some chemistry and bury the plenty of chances they're going to be able to take. How much
0: pressure does that put on the the top two centers there jamie to to perform because the depth on this team isn't all that tested and offensively you know we we know that Lowry and Kopp, that line is good at shutting down other teams, but it seems like offensively a lot is going to fall on the top two lines on this team,
1: yeah, no question I think piggybacking a little bit Christian off of what Murat was saying when Nikolai if Nikolai Eulers doesn't run into Sydney Crosby in January of twenty eighteen that year or sorry twenty nineteen that year, I think the that line just carries play for the Jets throughout. Uh, you know, Ehlers was out for a significant amount of time that year. That momentum would have carried through, and I think the Jets would have been better suited for the playoffs and in a better position overall if Ehlers doesn't get hurt that year. But to answer your original the question you just asked me, I think it. That, I mean, there's no question your top six forwards on any team is is going to be a lot of pressure. But Paul Murray's touched on the fact today. You know, there's a lot of questions about the team defense. But he feels there's more – he expects more from the offensive side of things on on his hockey club. And uh, I think you have two very good centers. You have a full year of Paul Stass. He's not coming at the trade deadline. I think you have a pretty good setup there. Uh, and especially with Mark Shifley having to go up against the other team's best lines, and we all know the, what the Canadian division is presenting this year in terms of centermen, uh, that's going to put some more pressure on Paul Stastny and Kyle Connor and Patrick Laine to get things done while uh, the top line tries to shut down the other team's best and contribute to offense at the same time.
0: At that point, Murat, we normally, you know, we're ranking players based on how they sit to some degree in the central, but generally across the whole league landscape. Your data set for the Jets games this year is, you have the seven teams. You know it's just seven teams, and so you can rank Shifley. You can rank everybody compared to their corresponding player on just six other teams. So in that case, it makes it a lot easier to figure out, and probably only a couple weeks into the season, they'll be easy to figure out how they actually stack up.
2: Yeah, and it's going to be fascinating because, like Jamie just said, the – canadian division is absolute is an absolute nightmare in terms of its quality mm-hmm. as center. you've got mcdavid dry sidle matthews and that's just four um from three teams right so mark shifley knows he's going to be going up against those guys we have history of him saying he wants to be considered in that echelon of player and we also heard some interesting comments from him today and it was Kind of following up on on Paul Maurice while well, preambling Paul Maurice's comments about turning defense into offense, Winnipeg. Yeah, sure, they gave up a lot of chances last year, and everybody knows that Connor Hellebuck was amazing. Um, but one of the underrated kind of steps back, or un, we don't talk about it as much, is that their offense fell off as well. They were mid pack instead of a top ten team like they were before. So Mark Shively started talking today about how defense playing, committing to 100% of his back checks and back pressure um, can turn into quality chances for him in the other end as well. And I think he's going to absolutely have to deliver on that promise uh, to be able to keep pace and and really uh, outscore the caliber of player that he's going to have to go up against. And it's going to be a real test for what kind of center he is in the NHL this season.
0: Well, and Jamie, the reality is to win a Stanley Cup, your top line center has to be, one of the best players in the league, does he not?
1: Yeah, yeah. And there's, you have to get that elite status. And, you know, there's been some criticism, you know, in some media outside of Winnipeg that, you know, the Jets don't have that elite player. Mark Scheifele is an elite center, and this is his opportunity to to prove that, considering the quality of player he's going to go up against night after night. Um, I think a lot of things, you know, as Morado's attacked, a ta- or, a, said numerous times here is that if you have Nikolai Evers and that line drives play five on five, I think that's going to change a lot of things for the Jets in terms of being in the other end of the rink instead of being in their end of the rink. So uh, a lot of things leaning on number 55 this year, uh, more a bigger voice, a bigger presence because he's another year older in the league, another, another, you know, much further into his National Hockey League career and certainly a lot more pressure on delivering night after night uh, in the National Hockey League.
0: We are going to turn our attention now to football. And Stanley Bryant, re-signed today by the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. He has been so, so good for this team since they signed him back in 2015. He has been most outstanding offensive lineman in the league in 2017 and 18. He was the West nominee for that award in 2019. Played every single game in 2019. He's been a league all-star three straight seasons, five times overall. He has been in the league for 10 years. First five seasons in Calgary, two-time champ in 2014 and 2019. 156 CFL starts. 10 playoff games, three Grey Cup games. He is fantastic. The Bombers Love to have him back, and he talked to media on a conference call earlier today. And let's just find out first of all if there was any doubt that he would ever come back.
3: Uh, I say no doubt. You know, this is where I want to be. You know, I'm unfortunate last season we didn't get a, a chance to play because of the pandemic. So right now, I'm just looking forward to getting back out there with my guys, my teammates, and and play the game of football that we all been missing. Now he
0: talked about why he thought. He and fellow offensive lineman Jermarcus Hardrick were among the first to re-sign with the club.
3: I think, honestly, because of the type of bond we have, you know, me and Yosh just to be, uh, I think, fourth or fifth year together, um, we, we became great friends off the field. I mean, we we's also good friends on the field, you know, so I think it's just a, a brotherhood that that we wanted to stick together, you know. I and mean, we have a, a lot of people in the organization that, not only believe in I me and Marcus, but also the office line as a well. whole, you know, we got all the staff members, uh, you know, Buck, Marty, Coach O'Shea, um, you know, even Dan, all the guys out, everyone, they just believe in us as a whole. And I mean, well, I leave that, you know, so it's a great family experience. And uh, Winnipeg.
0: Now, is he worried about all the guys who haven't re-signed yet? Yeah, not really.
3: I'm pretty sure those guys have an understanding um that we all want them back, and that, and that they all deserve to be back, and it'd be great to have those guys back, so we can get a chance to to bring the group back together and go and go, and also try to win another great cup. I mean, I know those guys, they love the room, they love the team. I mean, they love the coaches, staff, everyone, just everything about the Winnipeg Blue organization. So I don't, I don't think necessarily it'll have to be a message. I think those guys understand what we have and and, and what we continue to build each and every year.
0: So, how did he spend his 2020 with no football down in Goldsboro, North Carolina?
3: Uh, well, honestly, this past year, just honestly, just been sitting around, just just spending more time with the family. You know, um, you know, the pandemic, you really can't do much. But as far as, far as myself, um, I've been a dad with real estate um, somewhat, and I also started a a streaming service um, that I've been also doing business with that. So I've been keeping somewhat busy, but you know, not not a lot has really been going on
0: streaming service what
3: oh yes it's just a IPTV service you know we have a um, a lot of different channel channels available for um u.s customers canadian customers it's called legendary tv um it's just something um me and a friend of mine we um always was into IPTV services and we just came about and also we just say, well we should just start our own and that's something we did so um If you're interested in IPTV, you know, we we try to give you more for less. So, um, that's something that's been going on for the last, I'll say, four or five months now. So it's been doing pretty well.
0: How much did you miss football or the lack of it in 2020?
3: I miss it a lot. You know, certain times, um, you just sit back and reflect and just remember certain things in the the 2019 season and just games and stuff you played in in the past, um, and you start to miss things you know like the practice the meetings um, the certain guys that's on the team that's funny um, and just the just the bond that that you have with the football team the camaraderie you know those those are some of the most important things that that come along with with any team or any sporting event it's more about the camaraderie as long as you have a, a great group of guys that's you know so that's around and you can build with um you'll have everlasting memories forever. So those are some of the things that I miss. You know, me, Jamarcus, Patty, you know, even Darvin, we 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 still talk and we still communicate about the twenty nineteen season and how we just ready to get back on the field and, and get things got back going.
0: And how's he training to prepare for twenty twenty one?
3: Uh, you know, just gonna get back into the to the lab like I've always done in the in the past. Um I'm back to my, my, my general regular workouts, you know, and just get back into a football shape. I mean, uh, you know, this past season. well, I mean, I'm sorry, this past year without the season, you try to at least stay in shape, you know, because you never know. I mean, that's that's something in life. You just always want to be in shape. Um, so it's a difference now. I mean, football is on their rise in the next few months, and we're just kind to get back into football shape and um, be ready to go out and and dominate um, like I've done in the past.
0: Is he worried about spending this much time away from the game?
3: No, I don't think so. I think. Um, I can only speak for myself that I'm I'm eager to get back, you know. I think, I look at it though like the pandemic year was like a a rest year year for a player here in the NCAA. I mean, you get a year off to just rest your body, I mean, just work out and do things like that. So, um, like I said, my body feels great and my mind is right and I'm just ready to get back to work. I I know a lot of guys are, are eager because you watch the NFL every Sunday. You know, those guys um, are playing this season, so we we kind of missed the game even more and more. So now that we're we're going to get a chance in the next few months and play, I mean we're going to be locked in and ready to
0: go. Now he mentioned getting his body refreshed. We heard a fun con or little exchange when Taylor Allen of the Free Press brought up the fact that Stanley's going to be 35 when the season starts.
3: You said 35. The accurate? Am I am I Did like, I read that wrong? I think like oh. I think like 30. I think he got it confused. Um, but, uh, <laughs> no. Oh, uh, yeah. oh, Wikipedia says you'll be 35. <laughs> you tell me. Yeah, I'll be 35, but, uh, my body is, I mean, my body feels great. You know, um, my mind is, is, is also great. So, I mean, I'm still going to go out there and compete at a high level and continue to do what I've been doing the, the past few years and just go out there and, and help this team win ballgames.
0: Now let's turn the clock back to 2015 when he decided to leave Calgary and come to Winnipeg. Did he expect all this success, both personal and team-wise, when he signed here five, oh, almost six years ago?
3: Um, honestly, i say at the start started 2015, it was rough. Um, I can honestly say uh, no, I, but I knew that it was a, a process, you know, because Rome wasn't built overnight. So I knew things were going to be rough to start, but each and every year we kept building and building um, got better and better on both sides of the ball. And then, I mean, eventually we got to the ultimate goal. We got to the great job and we won it. So we're going to continue to build on that and, and just continue to move forward and hopefully, you know, build a dynasty and continue to win.
0: We both arrived here in 2015. Mike O'Shea did as well. I remember my first summer here, you know, I was just a part-time reporter and the team was not good. They were 5-13. I heard, you know, I turned into the odd broadcast, but there was just no real juice because the team had been bad for a while. And Mike O'Shea, big part of the turnaround. Stanley Bryant, giving them incredible protection on that left side of the offensive line has been a huge part of their renaissance as well. And let's explore why he left Calgary then. But, you know, after five years, he wanted to leave Calgary. How about wanting to stay in Winnipeg after five years here?
3: The difference was, well, i say, in Calgary, you know, um, I was there for five years. So when I got to Calgary, I always had the, the winning tradition. You know, um, my first year, 2010, I was, I was on practice roster, um, and I went to the West Final, and we lost. You know, then 2012, went to the Great Cup. 2013, we um, we lost in the West Final. So it was always a winning tradition there, and I felt like that after 2014, once the Great Cup, was one that I felt like um, my my job, everything else I need to do that was accomplished. So I felt like it was a new challenge for me to move on and go to Winnipeg. But now, um, just not being able to get a chance to, you know, run it back and obviously go back to back I mean, with a great organization in Winnipeg and also making history after 29 years and without winning the great cup. I mean, I, I don't want to leave that. I don't want to chance any of that and not being able to, to get another chance to to bring another great cup to Winnipeg with my guys.
0: Let's turn the clock back even further to the decision to come to Canada and just how well it's gone up here.
3: I, I you, I'm very fortunate. You know, back in um, 2009, I was released by the Denver Broncos. Um, so I started out a few months and then my agent at the time, um, he had mentioned that he had a a couple of clients up in Canada. I mean, I, I didn't ever know about the CFL at all before he mentioned it. I think it was, uh, Dan Gusky was his client. He had, who was playing in Saskatchewan. And, um, I guess at the time, I think Calgary had my rights and my agent got in touch with John Murphy. And then I was able to come up, um, to Calgary and then the rest was history. Um, it was a blessing, you know, I always want to play professional football. I always started with the NFL, but, I never would have guessed it would be in Canada in the CFL for this longevity. So um, I'm, I'm grateful and always honored to, to be able to go out and play each and every year, each and every game. You know, it's always it's a good thing to be I know, a big fish in a small pond. But, you know, the CFL is continuing to grow and grow. And CF, CFL has treated me nicely over these last 10, 11 years. And like I said before, I'm very grateful and honored and humble to be a part of
0: Given all the success that he's had up here, did he ever wonder what could have been down in the States?
3: I mean, it always crosses your mind. You know, you go out and and you watch NFL games on Sunday and you say to yourself, man, I I can do what he's doing or or do it even better. You know, so, I mean, mean, we have those thoughts all the time, but I think I'm in the CFL for a reason, and I'm just happy to be here. I mean, there's there's no other way around it. You know, the NFL window, it came and went. um, Nothing presented itself, so. Um, I was happy to be where I am in the CFL. And
0: finally, we gotta we gotta know losing out on the most outstanding lineman award back in Grey Cup week of 2019, before the Grey Cup game, losing the award to Vanziel on the Tiger Cats. I mean, did that add fuel to the fire?
3: <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's something that's, that's, that's always been the back of my mind, you know. um... It was, I mean, it was a great honor to be a finalist again for a third straight year. I mean, Chris Benzel had a had a had a great year, and I mean his team had a great year as well. So, but I mean, thinking back and just just one of those things that you just like you said, a lot of fire up underneath, I mean, and just know that you got to continue to go out and, and prove your worth and, and put in the work and and show not only yourself but other people that you still can play the game the game of football. Um, at a high level. You know, um, the CFL is, is is a great league and I'm going to continue to show that I can play this game.
0: Tune in to the CGOB Sports Show weeknights from 7 to 9 with me, Christian O'Mal. or you can download the podcast on iTunes. It's actually on iTunes now. Wow. If you got an Android, then I dig you're out of luck, but Apple products, you're good. So listen to the podcast, please. Subscribe. You can rate it. What's the worst that could happen?